0: and let's get this ball rolling. Merry Christmas to everyone who is listening to this episode on Christmas Day. I really ummed and ard about releasing today, but you know what? So many of you jump on every single Monday, rain, hail, or shine. So I thought, why not? If you're showing up, I want to show up too. I hope today is filled with so much love, joy, and laughter. As you know, I often remind people that Christmas isn't rosy for everyone. For some people, it's the hardest day of their year. For others, it's surrounded by so much stress and overwhelm. Whatever is going on for you today, I want you to know that you are not alone. There is a whole community here behind you. Before we dive into today's episode featuring the sensational Jess, I'd like to share a couple of things with you. Firstly, it's that time of year again. Our annual Mindset Reset session is on. Just like previous years, it's the 2nd of January at 8.30am and it's a free 90-minute online workshop that is open to the entire Challenges That Change Us community, designed to help you kickstart the momentum you're seeking in 2024. Find the link to book in the show notes or on our Challenges That Change Us community Facebook group. And for those of you that are listening on Christmas Day, consider yourself in the exclusive first cohort to hear about our next big announcement. I am so thrilled to announce our High Performance Leadership Summit for 2024. It's on March 8th, 9th and 10th in the Brisbane area. This event has been in the works for months, bringing together 25 senior leaders Six extraordinary high-performance individuals for three days in one location to share knowledge, experience, insights, and strategies around high-performance and leadership. It is a rare once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. In the room, we're going to have David Ballard, the head of performance at the Brisbane Broncos. You guys all know how incredible that team did this year, moving up the ranks and making it to grand final. We have Sammy Kennedy Sims, a three-time Australian Olympian who has spent more than a decade at the top, but that is not even what blows my mind about her. It's the adversity and the challenges she has overcome whilst navigating that high-performance realm. Clifford Morgan, an organisational psychologist with expertise in high-pressured environments like the military. Wayne Rubin and Pearl Lim, two very successful leaders in the business world – both of whom who have successfully led multinational businesses and, of course, me. For more details, I'll pop a link in the show note where you can go and read about it. There is only 25 spots, so this one is going to sell out so fast. You can book directly or jump in the calendar to arrange a 30-minute call with me to discuss the amount of work that has gone into this three-day High Performance Leadership Summit is beyond words. And I am so proud to be offering it to you guys first before anyone else gets access. Now, turning our attention to high performance, our guest, Jessica Spenlove, is no stranger to this space. She is an advanced sports dietitian, accredited practicing dietitian, and performance strategist with a passion for personal development and a history for setting big, audacious goals. Her journey started as an unintentionally underfueled high-level swimmer where she learned firsthand the impact of nutrition on performance and well-being. With over a decade of experience working across multiple professional sporting codes and business sectors, she has seen both the highs like NRL Premiership wins and the lows of burnout. Jess has worked with the likes of the Giants, the Waratahs, the Sydney Kings, the Sharks, QBE, Yopro, the Australian Army, just to name a few. These experiences have shaped her comprehensive approach to consistent, long-term success and helped her perfect the art of blending evidence-based science with real-world results. You will hear in this interview what life looked like for Jess when she was thriving and working with multiple elite sporting clubs and how this came with consequences. We talk a lot about high-performance tendencies, suboptimal health, priorities, opportunities. So let me introduce you to the woman herself. Hi, Jess. Welcome to Challenges That Change Us. Hi, Ali. Great to be here. Jess, I love to start every episode with asking our guests what animal best describes you and what is it in particular about that animal? Like why did you choose that and for what traits?
1: Yes, this is an amazing question and one I've had to think quite a bit about. The animal I've gone with is a tiger and I've gone with the tiger because looking at characteristics of a tiger, I thought that really, like from a strengths and maybe a growth area as well, it really aligned. So, you know, they're really intelligent, very strategic, quite independent animals. And I think that really resonates with some of the strengths I have about myself. Something I also thought was quite interesting was they're not so good in teams and I think in terms of where I'm at in my current business, that is what I'm kind of navigating at the moment. I am learning how to relinquish control and let go of things and not be a total perfectionist and, and consider something if it's 80% done by someone else, it's good as done. So I think for me, that really resonated and that's become something in this current phase of life that I'm at that I've identified as something that I want to work on. So that's what I've come up
0: with. Just out of curiosity, have you found the answer to that? Because uh, we can make a million dollars if you find the answer on how (laughs) we relinquish control when we own our own business. I think it's one of the hardest things, isn't it? Because we have this expectation on how we would do it. Even though you can know, 100% know that someone else is going to do it differently or look different, they'll get to the end result differently. It still can be like, oh, why didn't you do it this way? Or Maybe I should just do that, or I wanted it to look like this, or so many things. Right?
1: It is. It's challenging. It's all an evolution, and I think a lot of the times it's probably the catalyst for today's conversation. We often get it wrong before we get it right. That's where we learn the lessons and evolve. So, yeah. And when we just go, you know, I'm ready to do more with my life or do less, and and then I think it gets easier. I'll let you know when I totally figure it out. I'm on a mission to do that.
0: <laughs> and Jeff, out of curiosity, how are you feeling about today's episode? Because I know you work so much in the expert space you work with high performers elite athletes like people that are wanting to go the mile but to come on and actually sit in the space to tell your own personal story like that is changing lanes that
1: is massively changing lanes definition of slightly out of the comfort zone today but (laughs) one which I think I always like to think the universe gives us signs and, and as we were talking about before we jumped on I've been getting little dribs and drabs of this like tell your own story more because there's so much behind that, which infers and influences what I now do today. So it's an equal amount of excited and nervous and
0: we'll see where we get to with it. Yes, maybe the best place to start then, let's just maybe go back to the beginning. Like where did you find the love, the passion, the interest in sport? When did that start? What did that look like and what happened after that?
1: Yeah, I think it's, I've been reflecting on this a little bit and It really began when I was a child. So I grew up in a very sporty household. I did a lot of sport myself from as young as I can remember. I didn't choose it. It chose me, but I was a very good swimmer very early on, like eight, nine, ten years of age, school nationals, gold medals, that type of situation. So even in primary school I was doing things that I guess not the average eight, nine or 10 year old was doing training before school, sometimes after school. And so it really is part of my DNA. I've grown up in these environments of discipline and structure and performance. And I guess the real catalyst for the interest in like the nutrition piece was I was getting it wrong before I got it right. And because I was a very sporty child and adolescent, throw in the mix of puberty, throw in the mix of like growth and development and when you're training two to four hours a day, not every day but most days, it's really hard to eat enough to factor in all of those considerations. So I went to see a sports dietitian who, yeah, really was the catalyst for for setting on this path to be laser focused, at least the first half of my career in working with professional athletes because I love food. I love people. I love travel. And I felt the benefit and the difference of being under fueled, not intentionally, but just having absolutely no idea how to eat for performance and then to get it right. And I like the mindset of a high performer, you know, I align with it. They're motivated, they're self-driven. And these are people that are out, not just to put a band-aid on something or manage a chronic disease, which don't get me wrong, that's totally great. There's definitely people for that, but we're I come in is leveraging the power of how do you use that to be even better, to be healthier, happier, faster, fitter, stronger, longevity.
0: Yeah. And so when you say that you saw a sports dietitian,
1: was that when you were at school? I reckon I would have been in year seven or eight. I don't remember exactly, but it was pretty early on in high school. I was getting sick often, I had low iron, there was just hallmarks of underfueling which my doctor had flagged and based on the amount of sport that I was doing is that you really need to go and see like an expert in this space. So referred me to the sports dietitian who I worked with for quite a few years. I swam most of high school. I think I stopped in about year 11. If you meet me, I'm not very tall. I'm only five foot three. So I think there was an element of, I was really good, really young. And then when everyone went, went through puberty, you know, I went from like, to be honest, I went from winning to just like top three or top ten and, you know, also that just I'm sure that maybe was part of it but also I just lost the love of, you know, swimming that black line every single morning. Swimming is a tough sport. I mean every sport requires dedication but swimming is on another level. It is probably one of the most challenging sports in terms of the amount of training and what you need to dedicate to it. And that just phase of my life, I was coming to the end. And also, you know, I did pretty good at school, but I had a lot of admissions. They were kind of all good. You don't have to do your homework. We understand your training so much. And coming into year 11 and 12, I wanted to be a dietitian. I knew I needed high grades and I knew I couldn't just do that. So it was really choosing that next chapter of my life. Was that a difficult decision? I don't think so, no, because... Definitely at least the last 12 months I was start The love, you
0: know, the fire in the belly, it had faded. You were pushing uphill a little bit more, you know, like everything felt harder. It felt harder, I think, yeah. I want to ask about that moment. What was happening inside your head as a teenager that went from getting first and watching your peers shoot up, get taller, get stronger, and you going into third or tenth, as you said? What happened for you internally?
1: Yeah, good question. I mean, it really highlighted this difference of talent versus dedication and, and consistency and really early on again as I said I definitely didn't choose swimming I think I would have chosen most other sports but it kind of chose me so I think I rode the wave of talent for quite a long time and then when that not that it faded but other factors came into play I think it just lost its shine like nearly ideally it would have gone the other way. You would have been like top 10 and then you started making top three and then you started winning. Like that's probably the more ideal situation than on the pedestal and then falling down the ranks type situation. You know, I still did a lot of sport after that, but it was more just around enjoyment, social connection, not sacrificing, you know, my own life and things I wanted to do as I started to be a 16 and 17-year-old with different priorities. And then when you finished
0: school, you obviously went on and did dietetics?
1: Yeah, so I was very laser focused. Most of high school I wanted to do sports dietetics and, you know, that was off the back of the experience, also being pretty good at maths and science. And I always thought maybe I'll be a physio, maybe I'll, you know, exercise physiologist. It was always something in that space.
0: You look like a physio, (laughs) by the way. If you, if I met you and you told me you're a physio, I'd be like, (laughs) yeah, I can see that for you. I can
1: see that. And yeah, so I went on to do nutrition at university. So for three years and at the end of that, I was over it. I actually was like, I don't want to be a dietitian anymore. I want to go and work. I'm a, big 21 year old I deserve to earn a salary and this kind of carry on and you know again other priorities and nearly the best thing I did was take 12 months off from study and go and work and realize that no you were on this path to do this you've always you've wanted to do this for the last like five if not 10 years so back to university I went to do my master's but for me that year off was the reset that I needed from an undergrad where I was coasting and socialising and probably partying way too much to a focused, you know, I was still pretty young. I was early 20s, but it was, it was the circuit breaker that I needed to go, this is what you want to do, make the most of the situation. I should caveat that and say I was definitely the student that was working multiple jobs as well as university, which like for my degree was pretty rare. Most people actually just studied. So I've kind of always been that person that's done a lot of things. Again, I think it's in my DNA, but I definitely was much more laser focused on what I'd come back to do. And I really think the universe presented me with the best opportunity because the dietitian who had inspired me to do the degree, I had an opportunity At the end, the last semester of my university, to do a research project with her, which so cool. I get tingled. I just actually got yeah,
0: yeah. I just same. I was just like, oh my god, that's so so beautiful.
1: Yeah. So talk about meant to be. Yeah, yeah. And she's passed now, but I really have everything. I have her to thank for everything. It was my like motivation and dedication and her mentorship. But I feel like I really have her to thank for most of what has happened to me.
0: Did you ever get an opportunity to tell her that? yeah yeah so Jess how did you then go from doing your masters into elite sport like you have worked with some of the best you have really sat in this space so many people would ask what did that look like what were those steps
1: Mm. Look, the first three years, which I really don't talk about that much, coming out of my master's, I was really fortunate to secure a clinical role. (laughs) It's funny, I remember the last like few days of university, you've been there for five years, tens of thousands of dollars, and they basically prepare you to not get a job. That was the through line of the conversation. Like, don't be disheartened if in six to 12 months, you're still not working as a dietitian.
0: Were you just like, what mate, you haven't met me. <laughs> like, were you just sitting there just thinking, what have I just done?
1: Yeah. I was totally disheartened. I was like, what, like, why? what is this kind of negative? I guess it was a realistic tone, but it was, I just thought it was total, not the message we wanted to hear. They, they tried to bring in different, you know, this was like 15 years ago. So maybe it's changed a bit since then, but it was really like, you can work in a hospital, you can do a bit of clinic can't remember there was a few other people, but there probably wasn't the options and the pathways and the ability to create your own pathway like there is now. But anyway, I was very fortunate. I was interviewed for a clinical role pretty much straight away. I didn't get the full-time role, but I got a locum within two to three months. So, But in that time, I didn't sit back and wait. I remember there was like a few private practice opportunities, which that was technically my first role as a dietitian. Out at St. Mary's, you know, taking a 50% clip, having absolutely no idea what I was doing as a new grad, just seeing these chronic disease patients, but getting into it and learning and helping people from the absolute get-go. But yeah, fast forward three years, three years in a hospital, inpatient, outpatient, that type of thing. At the same time, staying in touch with, her name was Helen, staying in touch with Helen, anything that she didn't want to do or couldn't do, taking that, you know, presentations, really just being there and being a sponge and I guess the break came three years after that initial graduation where the Cronulla Sharks were looking for a dietitian off the back of a fair few dramas all of the the doping and all of that and they just they needed someone because the NRL was starting to mandate every team needed a dietitian They didn't have much funding or that they wanted to dedicate to that. The doctor there at the time, I think, reached out to Helen, who was very prominent, and she said, I've got the person for you. And yeah, that was me. Three years out, still pretty green, but just super eager and ready to get into sport.
0: Wow, It is an open sliding door moment, isn't it? Just, you know, but in saying that too, there's a lot of hard work that went into that sliding door moment. Because had you not done that hard work, your name wouldn't have been put in the hat.
1: Exactly. And I really think with those types of roles, I mean, it's changing now. Sometimes I do have to advertise for it, but a lot of the time it is who you know and the work that you've done and that ability to prove yourself because being a good dietitian, a sports dietitian, I think any profession, it's not necessarily the the learned skills and the education that everyone has. It's an even playing field. It's the soft skills It's who you are as a person. It's the ability to connect. And I nearly think for me that's why when we got into placement and when we got in the real world, my ability to thrive because I do feel I have very good personable skills. No matter the education level, I can connect with people and that was the difference for me. And, you know, maybe that was off the back of having always worked while I was at uni. Customer service, just interacting with different people, I didn't have to learn how to do that. That was just a skill I had and I was applying my knowledge that I had learned. And so what happened next after the Sharks? The momentum really started to roll off the back of that. So that was in about April. Obviously, pro sport winter season is November to September if you make it the whole way. So that was like halfway through their year technically. At the end of that, an opportunity with the Giants came up, GWS Giants, AFL, and... That was a a one-day-a-week role, and that was another 12 months. In amongst that, I had decreased my hours at the hospital, potentially left I think in the Giants' year, and I was working in like a bariatric clinic. I was doing, again, a few things. I was in the dietetic space. I had two sports teams, but they certainly weren't full-time, and that's really common with sports dietetics. Unfortunately, it is seen as that nice to have, not necessity. Some sports are a little bit better than others. AFL does have a lot of full-time roles now, whereas
0: other roles, there's like multiple physios, multiple strength coaches, et cetera. It's cutthroat at that level. You also, you can be in one season and out halfway through or at the end of the season in any given moment.
1: Very high turnover role, yeah. So I ended up being at the Sharks for eight seasons, was there when they won their first premiership, which was amazing. Can we just stop for a moment? That's pretty cool. Not many people can say that. And I think for me... Sharks were actually my team. So it was like a double, I filtered the fangirl. I was really mindful when working with them. So I think that's incredibly important. Any, I've chosen interns and students and even seeing other people who've come into teams, even if you do know who these athletes are and you maybe support them or whatever, you need to park that because you're there to do a
0: job. Mm -hmm. Doesn't belong in the room. Does not belong there.
1: Yeah. That year, that 2016 when the Sharks won was also the year the Giants just missed the grand final. I remember being on the sideline because I used to work game day with the Giants 10 minutes before the end of the game. It was when the Western Bulldogs won and the Giants were 12 points ahead and I remember being like, oh, my goodness, we're going to the grand final. I'm going to two grand finals in the same. I remember just, it was just this incredible moment anyway a lot happened in the next 10 minutes and they just lost and it was very traumatizing for a lot of people like I will never forget those experiences and feel very fortunate to have been around them but what I was sorry going to say about the the AFL was at the end of that first year there was an opportunity well I don't know if there was an opportunity or I created the opportunity which is probably a theme just what I've done for my whole life and career but I remember sitting down with the GM and pitching a bigger role and we managed to grow that to three days a week and then over the next few years it grew to a full-time role. And to be honest, even beyond that, I ended up building a team of dietitians like juniors and interns and, yeah, it was I would say gold standard in terms of professional sport, which I've had high performance managers tell me that as well. It was phenomenal. And, yeah, and then off the back of that, Giants netball popped up, Western Sydney Wanderers popped up, Sydney Kings popped up, New South Wales Waratahs popped up. So that was really off the back of, I guess, getting known, building good relationships, other personnel potentially moving on to different teams or just me somehow getting to know these other high performance staff and my name getting out there and thinking back now, you know, there was seasons where I was across leading or directly in the the depths, in the trenches with six or seven teams.
0: Which is amazing, but also pressure. A couple of my teamwork in that space and the pressure that can come with being with these teams at the top level, looking for the 1% gains is just huge. And doing that across six, I can't imagine.
1: I know. I can't imagine. I remember at the time so many people being like, how are you doing what you're doing? And I was just so in it, loving it, probably very ego-driven at the time, thriving, not thriving but, you know, just in this zone of, I don't know, I was thriving. I was in an environment for a period of time where I was thriving. There's an element of me I think with the characteristics which I do thrive off that but I just added in so much that It eventually came with consequences. Looking back now, every single end of year, except for maybe those first two when they were just sporadic, as soon as sport became full-time, which was in probably that third year into that, you know, decade in pro sport, I was burning myself out every single season. I thought it was normal. End of the year, one to two weeks, totally wiped out. I remember the year the Giants made the grand final in 2019, I was so sick that whole week leading into the grand final because I'd reached my threshold. I was so burnt out and I missed a lot of those experiences. I I made the grand final and I did my role and, and that was, but I missed that whole week because I was in bed, burnt out, so sick, which I just, looking back now, I'm like, how did I not see what I was sacrificing at the same time as, celebrating and and having this amazing
0: experience and career because also we so often look at when we define success or when we say oh my god that must be amazing we very rarely go what is it costing me because everything comes at a cost everything It's looking at what that cost is. And there are times in our lives where we can absolutely step up to the plate in the performance space. But I think, and we will definitely be getting to this, is what we want to see is a lot more foundational work on how do we sustain it? How do we stay in the space we want to stay in for a long period of time without that highs and lows, burnout, the drops, the ins and outs. Before we get there though, Jess, I do want to ask you, because I know there's a bigger challenge that's coming. What sort of challenges did you face during those years when you felt like you were thriving, which, you know, you were thriving, but as we said, it coming at a cost, you know, it's that greatest strength, your greatest weakness. When things are on fire and there is momentum and the world is spinning and everything is amazing, there's very little rest time for many.
1: Yeah. And I obviously loved what I did and I built such amazing relationships at every single place that I was at, the athletes, you know, at a lot of the clubs, really amazing high performance staff. It was just, it was my life professionally, personally, it ticked all of the boxes at the same time I was building a business. So for me, I did see like an end point as in, I can't keep doing this but with my experience, I'll build this team. I've got the knowledge. I've been able to transverse so many environments and I'll just sit at the top and help educate and train and my systems and and all of that. But the joy started to go, you know, the highs started to not override the lows. And that whole time I missed out on so much. I missed out on weddings. I missed out on birthdays. I missed out on Travel that wasn't not in the off season, my life was dictated by a football calendar year. I didn't have a January to December, I had an October to September, and that just started to wear thin. And you know, at the same time, right when I started in professional sport, I was getting out of a relationship seven year relationship, it was just we were different people, early 20s to late 20s, and that was all fine. And I'm not saying that career like prevented me from finding a partner, but I just think it's really interesting that that whole time that I was in the thick of it, I struggled to find a meaningful relationship. I don't know, I was probably in my masculine so much because I was working with so many men and my, my whole life was my job. So I'm sure there was a lot happening there. But literally the day I ended all of the contracts, I met my now partner. So I just even think with that, like... Seven years. And I wanted someone, like I was starting to be in my early to mid thirties. Like I really wanted to find a partner. So even that is just interesting within itself.
0: Yeah. And I was going to wait till the end, but I'm going to ask this now. If you had your time again, would you still have that chapter, but just do it differently?
1: I would still have it, but I would do it differently.
0: Yeah. Because
1: the athletes that I know, the relationships that I've had, the experiences, even how I can kind of leverage that for this next chapter, I would never take that away. And also for me, I'm really passionate. And what I started to see was there's so many principles that these elite athletes all use that everyday people can use to thrive. And that became my mission. And it was amazing to have that experience with these incredible humans, but a, I started to want more and B, I wanted more impact, which I still think I can have so much more than even what I've had to date. So yes, I would have it, B, I would do it differently.
0: Mm. You said earlier that after a seven-year career in that space, you moved in and you met your partner. Did you just stop suddenly? Like what happened?
1: COVID was a big factor. The Giants was my main contract It was full-time but I was only three days because I had subbed out some of the roles to some juniors but essentially that contract went from full-time to like two days. And this is when they had like the bubble and like if you were in the bubble, all you could do was like
0: be at your house and then go to the club. Can you just explain the bubble in COVID? I always found it quite fascinating because the partners could go but you were in a bubble? Basically it meant that
1: I could work. I could go to the club and I could work and it would be two days a week or I would be paid for two days a week and then I could be at home but I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't and at this stage I think you could, you know, go in your five kilometers and walk with friends and still have some social connection. And they were like, no, you can't do any of that. And I was like, okay, so at the time I'm single, I live alone. And all you want me to do is come to the club for work and then not have that ability to have social connection. And on top of that, I did have a business at the time with another dietitian, and it was just weighing up what was a priority. And I just said, I'm sorry, I can't for what you're offering me for two days a week, which let's be real, they were going to pay me for two days but they wanted me to be full-time, I just was like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. So that happened there but all of the other contracts which were like half a day or a day or two days, they just totally got put on hold.
0: So it wasn't you deciding as such, yes, you decided with that two-day contract but really it was the environment around you also played a major role in that.
1: Yes, yeah. How was that for you? Oh, I was devastated like I definitely for six to 12 months I think I went through like an identity crisis because that was all I knew and I had given so much and I think this is where it's not resentment because I have so many positive memories but I guess there's an element of like you are so disposable and just because I was in these places for seven
0: or eight years. Which is a very long time, by the way. So when you say seven or eight, for anyone listening, that is like a lifetime in this kind of level of sport. So people come and go, it's a revolving door, high turnover. So to be there, you'd almost think you're almost part of the furniture.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, again, being I was so proactive. I remember when it was all happening and it was like the first round of whatever year, 2020, I think it was, where it all started to happen, I remember spending like a whole weekend putting a pitch together on how the nutrition piece was still so important. And you look, it was interesting, like at the end of 2019, there was a bit of a clear out for like senior staff. So all those relationships you'd built over five, six years, whatever it was, just clean slate. So there were new people, different ideas. And, you know, I think the salary cap got reduced like 30%. Or 20%. I can't remember exactly, but nutrition was getting like minimized to half. So some people getting impacted way less, some people way more. And I think that's when, if I'm honest, deep down, I was already starting to feel like what's next for me. And that just really fast tracked it.
0: So before we get to the what's next for you, just pause for a moment in that 12 months. What was the hardest part for you in that 12 months?
1: I think it was the feeling of rejection. I felt rejected, I felt probably somewhat worthless and I also was like I have sacrificed so much of my own life for what? I mean, I think me being me, again, I was very proactive. Like I did have my business, which we used to not just work in sport. I guess I controlled or or led that arm of the business. And then we had other, like we worked with food brands, one-on-ones, like corporate. We did a range of things. And so it was just shifting focus to what can we do or what can we dial up? My business partner at the time was amazing and, like, she really got in the trenches and she dialed up her work, which I'll be forever grateful for her for that. But I think over a few months of that happening, when I look back at my business then busting up in the, you know, months or years to come, I think that was the start of it. There was this she resented the the amount of work she had to do at that time. And I guess, you know, for me it was like, well, yeah, like so, the thing I should say is that then didn't totally stop sport. Like sport then bubbled along for another year or two, but I was pretty set on I'm done,
0: what's next for me? And when you said that shift focus, how do you, because you've used the words laser focused, you use words shift focus. Like your focus is one of your major talents, I can tell. <laughs> in the, you know, 40 minutes that we're talking about, you have this ability just to hone in, like go, all right, this is what I'm focusing in on. Do you know how you do that?
1: No, I don't think so. I think, again, there's that element of I don't need to force the motivation or the drive. If anything, I have to contain it, to be honest. Maybe it's the like, yes, who I am. Maybe it's a part of that learned behavior from the early days and sport being in my DNA from the get-go. If anything, I have to tone it down rather than
0: dial it up when you're on fire and you are thriving and really in that place in your element that's when you have to be like (laughs) oh too many too many too much you touched on there around the business ending do you want to take us through that kind of what happened in the next phase
1: a nice way to put it is we weren't aligned on vision and values anymore different stages of life
0: anymore or from the start and then you recognised it because there will be a lot of people listening that have business partners and I think it can go both ways.
1: Looking back it's always great the reflection piece you want to go into business with someone who feels your blind spots not is like similar to you and we went in like we were really good friends as well which like when it worked it worked so well but we were probably very like-minded and we did agree on a lot of things I think where things started to shift was when we maybe had slightly different opinions and I can't speak for, you know, there's two sides to every story. So I am really mindful of that. How it felt for me was that I was an employee in the relationship rather than the equal business partner. So there was that side of it, but Yeah, I think we just started to want different things from life. She was entering into like a motherhood phase, which not that that should have been a difference, but... it is different. It is different.
0: Your priorities
1: shift, my God, it absolutely does. Everything shifts. Yeah, so that I think was another like just a piece. There was, you know, a lot of factors and, yeah, it just started to become hard and unenjoyable for both of us. So and also when I look at what we're doing now... I mean, energetically, like I don't, I've had to kind of block and remove, which is just more an energetic piece for me. Like I would rather focus on my own lane than worry about what other people are doing, which can be hard, but her business is very similar to what we were doing. And my business is very much high performing CEO, executive, elite athlete, you know, people with these high-performing tendencies, which, like, ultimately is me leaning into who I am and who I feel like I was made to serve because I get them.
0: And I know Jess when I've thought about some of the business relationships I've had over the time there's always so much I take away from each one it's kind of like I remember my mum saying to me really early on I was I want you to have lots of boyfriends because with each relationship you will grow and you will take away how you want to live your life who you want to live your life with and how you want to share that life at the time I was like mum I don't think you should be telling me to have extra boyfriends but I really value that now because I think I did learn from every relationship what's something you learned from this one
1: two things one I love the saying you know people come into your life for a reason a season or a lifetime and I think it was a season and we had so much fun and and we learned so many things together I think the thing back have the hard conversations sooner so there's less that build up and that resentment and that animosity and I think the sooner you have it the softer it can be
0: and the better you get at it. So what happened next for you? I'm a bit, I'm all intrigued in your story, Jess. I'm like, so can we just have the next part of the story and the next part of the story? But it is, it's so fascinating. So what did happen next for you?
1: So much happened next. So, I mean, we dissolved the business. We made that decision. And this was, I have to say, like a week after I had COVID. So there was just a lot happening at the one time. You know, we navigated that as best we could, but it was a pretty stressful time I was also starting a new relationship which is my partner now so I just it's it's funny how you go through phases like catalysts for this next phase of life which is what I felt like I was going through there that went on say for two months January February and then in March 2022 I got really sick I went to a health retreat to kind of pause reset reflect you know start fresh and I came back with a cold and It really never went away and I then for months on end was managing good days, bad days, no answers, wasn't getting anywhere with what was going on with me which was just looking back now, it was a memo from the universe, you cannot operate the way that you have been operating. You're 35 years old, you're healthy, you tick the boxes but you don't take care of yourself you don't rest and recover like you should and you're prioritizing so many external factors more than like yourself like you are your greatest asset so yeah unfortunately from March 2022 until basically March 2023 I was battling suboptimal health I was battling a lack of answers I was battling days or weeks where I was bedbound and this is in and amongst trying to start or restart a business on my own when for so probably most of that time I was just so worried about letting my clients down which again I feel like the universe was just like you need to put yourself first but look if I didn't push doors down and demand answers like I may still be in that cycle of what is going on maybe it was long COVID Maybe it was an element of long COVID. I personally think it was a combination of COVID, a decade of burning myself out, a period of high stress, all just culminating at the one time. But I'm someone very intuitive, very aware, and fortunately also someone who wants answers and won't settle for something, which while I'm being told that's, you know, everything's fine, your bloods are fine, your chest X-ray is fine. I'm like, I am not fine. I need to see someone so i pushed and pushed and pushed for different specialists different answers and honestly it was a 12 to even 18 month journey which culminated in yet yeah, different like rounds and rounds of antibiotics and steroid puffers and steroid medication and various specialists and you know in february 2023 i ended up having surgery so this just went on and on and on it was by far the toughest year of my life by far the most like biggest period of growth in terms of me as a human, not just me professionally. And for me, it's forever changed the trajectory of the life I live, the work I do and how I
0: operate. And you said that you just kept pushing for answers. Did you get answers?
1: Eventually I got answers. I developed a type of asthma, which I had never had issues with my lungs in my life. So that was the needing to go on the steroid puffer, three puffs multiple times a day for a few months. That settled and improved but the markers they were looking at still went back to baseline so they were like okay I think you need to go and see an ear nose and throat specialist who I saw and was like you have really chronic sinusitis which I had sinus surgery actually just before I started my first role with the sharks again talk about timelines on things so there has always been an underlying issue but it got resolved and COVID was just the the trigger for that. It was very bad sinusitis. Had to, again, heaps of medication, heaps of steroids, heaps of antibiotics, which helped for a period of time. That went on for like another two to three months. And then at the end of that, I think he always knew I was getting surgery, but they just needed to see how I would respond and... Then I was booked, this was in about November 2022, I was booked for sinus surgery in February 2023 and for a few weeks I felt amazing. The steroids, I was like, I'm back, this is amazing, I am me again and they wore off and then it was another few months of just infections and being bedbound and it was horrible. Like I'm a very extroverted person very social like I love being around people I get energy from that but this experience has forever changed me like it's definitely like I need more time on my own I need to recharge I'm very mindful of my energy I get it right most of the time but not always and then I pay the price so this is a journey for me that I'm on and also now why I'm so interested in this place of not just like yeah nutrition can do all of this for you but what about you as a person, which is, yeah, it's it feels good. It feels like it's set me on the path that I'm now on and I'm meant to be doing this work because A-type, high-performing driven people, like they walk the tightrope of performance to burnout constantly and and most of them, you know, maybe not most but a lot of them are those people that experience burnout. And if my story, which maybe me telling this side of me is helpful in that, not just me telling them the tactics and the the practical stuff that they can do is is part of that.
0: Definitely. And I think so often we see high performers, athletes, people that are pushing that bar. I always think that, do you know what I relate it to? It's actually really different to that. I actually relate to pregnancy. I also have a gym here. I, I run a fitness studio and I often hear pregnant women coming and they say, oh, yeah, but such and such was lifting right up until the day they had a baby, like doing deadlifts or such and such was still running 42Ks and they had a baby. I'm like, Yes. But That's not the norm and let's have an honest conversation about what we know and what we see and what can really happen, you know, and we know that running can have a huge impact on pregnancy, not saying not to do it, not saying to do it, but just let's have an honest conversation about it. And I think sometimes that's how I sort of picture high performance, lead athletes, CEOs, like just the high-performing world is we don't often see behind the closed doors, behind the curtains when someone crashes and burns, they're not in the limelight. They're not in the public space and they're certainly not putting up their hand in that moment saying, to everyone, I feel burnt out or I have a chronic illness or this is me at my end or I can't do this anymore or I don't know how to do this anymore. If anything, everyone goes back into the shadows and then comes out when they're back to high performing and says, oh, this happened. So we don't necessarily go on that ride with those people. So it's really important that we do have these conversations because it is very real. It does happen to a lot of people And it has a huge impact on life, quality of life, quality of relationships, quality of sense of self. 100%. And
1: for me now, that longevity piece is so important. And what I want to talk about is how can you have it all now but really consider future you? And, you know, for me that is really what has birthed my new podcast stay at the top because I don't think there is a conversation happening about well let's not just get to the top or what do you need to do to get to the top what do you need to do to most importantly stay at the top and for some that might be the top of you know the sporting arena and for some it might be business for others it's just their life who doesn't want to have the highest quality life for as long as possible and for me now, like I reflect on all of that. And as much as I loved it, I'm quite sad that I really didn't see those signs earlier and that I had to go through what I went through last year. And I'm so grateful for my partner, Sam, who was there to support me, my friends, clients who understood, and also myself for like putting up the white flag and going, What got you here is not not the solution it's probably the cause it's time for a different way which takes courage right so much and it's really hard to unlearn how you are so to your question of like oh the focus it's hard that's just who I am and I know a lot of people maybe because of the environments I've been in and the circles I'm in a lot of people are like that but if we need to be mindful. For some, it's turning that up, but for a lot of people I mix and mingle with, to be honest, it's toning it down or containing it.
0: Out of curiosity, what did you need to hear back then? Like what could you have heard and digested from someone back then that would have changed your trajectory without going on the road that you went on?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I <laughs> I don't know if anything would have. I think I had people around me. I remember there was this amazing lady Denny who worked with netball and she was a bit of a confidant for me on life and work and all the things and I remember when the last contract popped up the Waratahs and I remember being like oh I haven't worked in rugby union like let's add that to the resume like how good for the business like not good for me but how good for my business and she was like are you sure like I really don't know if this is your right next move you're already so busy so yeah. I, I don't know if I could have heard anything. I don't know if someone could have said, well, if you keep going down this path in five or 10 years, this is what this is going to look like. That may have resonated, but also I may have been like, nah, that won't happen to me. Like, this is who I am. Like I've always done more. I have the ability to do more. So I probably had to go walk the path I walked. Unfortunately, experience what I experienced, but at 35, I can come back. I haven't done too much damage and I can learn and I can evolve, grow and, and hopefully help a lot more people do the same. And so let's
0: talk about what it looks like for you now. We've been building to this. So what does your life look like now?
1: 2023 has been a pretty amazing year for me. I finally went to Europe for the first time in summer, which was I always dreamt about that, which was never a reality working in professional sport. You got holidays in October. So to be able to do that finally and tick that off, you know, I've been to Hawaii. I just went to a business trip in Thailand. You know, I'm working with some absolutely amazing clients. I still work with some really high-level athletes one-on-one in like a coaching program, which is the work I want to do. It is working with people that want, in that instance, competitive advantage, but it's also allowing me to work with, other individuals who I know I can help so much more. I have quite a few like business owners or business leaders who there's generally two types. There's the one I would call like the corporate gun who's doing most of the things and they just want that competitive advantage, I guess, for themselves. But to be honest, a lot of the people I'm working with are the corporate or the CEO or the business owner who has prioritised their career or their business over their self for as long as they can remember, whether that's been a choice, whether that's been just a matter of like what sat on the hierarchy more or whether it's been a choice of choosing what they're good at over something they've never really navigated. So, you know, these people are probably most of them are in their 40s, not saying that's just only people I work with, but there seems to be this shift early to mid-40s where they're going, how I'm operating, I can't continue to do that.
0: You mean just like me. I know. I'm like, I'm <laughs> hearing you. 42, <laughs> have pots, had a stroke, like being an athlete, like,
1: you know, yeah, people like, like me. And me, people <laughs> like me. And I'm loving that. I find those people are so coachable and it's really a matter of these people are intelligent. They have so much going on and it's just information that they haven't heard from the lens that I'm coming from. You know, a lot of what I talk about is nearly decoding their body and what it's telling them and then how to use nutrition to enhance energy or optimise focus or how to sleep better to then eat better or how to just set their life up so it's easy, it's not difficult, and they're leveraging more energy, more happiness, more space. I find it very rewarding. So, yeah, I do coaching. I'm looking to bring out a new group coaching program because um, I want to impact more people and you can only work with so many people one-on-one. So that will be coming out in February 2024. Well, if everything goes according to plan and I do speaking now as well, which I really want to do more of. So I've done quite a bit this year, corporate organizations, defense force. So yeah, I love speaking. I love doing workshops. I love taking this knowledge from these high-performing environments and translating it to other high-performing environments from a different lens. I do really feel a lot of people are maybe having the high-performance conversation. There's not really anyone out there who's walked in the professional and personal shoes that I have, and I hope that I can bring a different lens to that
0: And I think too, I don't know, Jess, if this is your experience, but it's certainly mine. Like when I sit back and think about why are some high performers falling over? Why do in the gym people find it so hard to train every day? What is it about nutrition that people know what they need to do, but they're not doing it? All of these things, right? These questions often go around in my head. You know, are we giving the right information? Like so many questions, but I always kind of land in a space of, it's almost like we just expect our body to do what it does. It's like we think it's something we can keep taking from. And same as our sleep, it's like we all know we need sleep But at the end of the day, if we miss a few hours, so what? And it's like our focus is on the wrong thing. It's like we're forgetting to say, well, how do we fill up that bucket in all those areas when we can so that when we take from them, we're taking from a full bucket. Instead, we just think, oh, we'll take, we'll take, we'll take, we'll take, we'll take, we'll take from our nutrition, we'll take from our sleep, we'll take from our well-being without restoring it. I don't know. Is that your experience? Yeah, I think there's
1: an element of that and I also think there's an element of most people don't actually know their full human potential. And they
0: don't know how good they can feel. They've never experienced what it's like to feel at their best when all those parts of well-being align and have all those buckets full. Like good sleep, good food, good training, good mindset. And they also think, or they've heard,
1: that comes from like 4 a.m. ice baths, or it comes from fasting, or It's all about what not to eat, what to cut, whereas like, we need to change the conversation from it has to be hard, we have to suffer, it has to be unenjoyable to it actually gets to be way easier than what you've ever imagined, way more enjoyable, and it actually gets to be how you want it to. And for me, I'm really passionate about principles, not like prescription, because I believe there are certain principles anyone can apply to their life to you know, elicit the response they want, but it's understanding what the principle is and they can go out and choose how they do that. So what, what I choose to do is maybe different for you, but if we stick to that principle, we will get that outcome. And I think that's a really different, you know, more sensible way of talking about things, which again, I hope is something that I can bring to some of the conversations that are happening.
0: And Jess, if you were to go back and have a conversation with your 11 year old self, what would you say to her?
1: I think I would just say it's all going to be okay. You don't have to sprint. You've got time. Just breathe a bit more, slow down, and make sure that each area of your life in some way, shape, or form is thriving. You know, don't go all in on one thing at the detriment of another, but also it's all going to be okay. Just pace yourself.
0: Jess, if anyone else is out there like I am right now that are like, how do I get in touch with her? How do I have her in my corner? I need her on my well-being board. I need to have her in my life. Where do they find you <laughs> and what can they do? With my last name, I'm pretty
1: easy to track down. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So Jess Spenlove or my website, jessicaspenlove.com, heaps of content on Instagram as well. But one thing I wanted to mention is I've actually put together a quiz which is identifying what your high performance profile is. So, over the last 15 years, I've really seen there's kind of three different types of high performer there's the overachiever, the all or nothing human, or the ticking time bomb. And so, I've put together a quiz looking at different aspects of your well being and your life. And you just run through it. It'll let you know who you are, where you are, and it will also give you personalized recommendations on what your right next step is. So for anyone who's enjoyed today's conversation, that's a really nice quick little quiz you might want to do and just see where you come out at
0: we'll pop that in the show notes. I'm going to jump on and do that quiz. Thank you so much, Jess. It has just been such a privilege to sit here with you. And as we started the very early on in the conversation, we spoke about you do sit in and we can hear it right at the end of this conversation. We can hear you in your genius lane. Like you nail that lane of how to have a conversation with someone about what they're going through, what their right next step is. And you've walked the mile in that high performance world. So you really get it. But what was really beautiful today was hearing your story and hearing, the challenges that you faced how you viewed the world what's changed your honesty all of it like I just appreciate so much about everything we spoke about today so thank you so much
1: Thank you for having me on and thank you for opening the opportunity to
0: have this conversation, which I've really enjoyed. And I did forget to ask you, I cannot believe I didn't ask, who or what in your world truly makes you belly laugh? And when I say belly laugh, Jess, I mean on the ground, people hear you from up the road belly laugh.
1: My girls, like, chat meme group. We fire off some good memes, which is always funny, but I do love a bit of an Ursula Carlson. She, I find her so funny. She's a comedian, so... If I'm ever needing a little bit of a lift, I'll just pop her podcast on or pop a comedy which is available on Netflix or something like that. I just find her humour hilarious. But both of those things serve me very well from a belly laugh perspective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So good. Thank you, Jess. Thank you for today. Thanks, Ali. And as we wrap up this special episode, I want to leave you with a call to action. Head over to the show notes and explore the two incredible opportunities waiting for you in this coming year. Our Mindset Reset Kickstart, the New Year Workshop on the 2nd of January, and the exclusive three-day high-performance Leadership Summit in March. Both links are right there in the notes. But most importantly, Merry Christmas to my amazing community. Thank you so much for the precious year, and I'm looking forward to spending 2024 with you. Next Monday, we have another sensational guest, David Brady. Talk about grit, resilience, and inspiration. This is an episode not to be missed. He was born profoundly deaf and was told that he will not see past year 10. And you wait, just wait until you hear the story that he shares with us. Have a great week, guys, and I will see you next Monday.